You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. Welcome to episode 94 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I've been so inspired over the years by Jeff Goldblum as Ian Malcolm. Just looking back at every decision I've made, I'm pretty sure I've always been concerned about whether or not I could, and never given a second thought to whether or not I should. Amen. Wear a shirt a lot. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. (laughs) Can I have a show of hands for everybody who follows that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, because this is a podcast. Chaos. Oh. Aww. <laughs> yes, if you haven't, Aww. Ian Malcolmed it. Uh, we are actually doing the Jurassic Park World show. We watched uh, Jurassic Park, and all of us went out to see Jurassic World, and we are doing the comparison of the two shows, going back billions and billions of years to bring you this show this week. We didn't. Well, someone did. wasn't us. Uh, you know, you don't have to go back millions and millions of years to find excellent podcasts. Ooh, I smell transition. <laughs> <laughs> you like that one? I do. Yeah. I, Where what do you, you need to do is go to the Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Oh, Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. What sort of podcast will I find there, Josh? Uh, you're going to find all sorts of geek-themed podcasts like the Saturday Morning Block Party Podcast. The Comic Roast presents the Movie Roast. Best of the Worst Movie Podcast, My Comic Shop History Podcast, hmm. The Bearded Ones, Sad Robot Radio, and everyone's favorite defunct sports show, The Left, Left Field, Field Sports, sports Lounge. Yes. <sighs> I still kind of wonder if those guys ever like find out that we're pump- pumping them every single episode. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, we're still getting downloads on the last episode. I don't understand it. But uh, what if I'm what if I'm out? Ooh, what if I'm out uh, wandering in the jungle, being chased by a Tyrannosaurus Rex during Saturday, and I want to hear some good geek themed podcasts, Josh? Then your priorities are all out of whack, Mike. <laughs> I I think that's what the older brother was listening to, actually. <laughs> but uh, if you decide you'd rather listen to podcasts while you're being torn apart by angry dinosaurs, uh, you could do that at Geek Life Radio. Call and leave us a voicemail while it's happening, actually. Yes, you'll hear us on Geek Like Radio Saturdays at noon. Noon! It's true. It is. (laughs) That's for emphasis. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you want to check out any of our archives, you can always do that on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, other fine podcasting directories. And in a very limited sense, on our home of the web, 40go14.com. We'll eventually house everything. Yes, because 94 shows is a lot of shows. That is a lot of shows. Yeah. They're available through TalkShoe if you can't find them. Yes. Now, if Only you want to... Six away from a magic number. That would be 88, you know, 88 miles an hour. Pat, are we going back to the future? Eventually. 
So if you want to call and. <laughs> oh, if you want to call and give us some ideas for podcasts, themes, which we could use, uh, give us a call at 708 Now Wrap. That's 708 669 9727. And Charlie, stop calling and telling us to do a show about guns. Thank you. Uh, Charlie did call uh, what? He, about something. Oh God! Did you did you vet this one? <laughs> I totally didn't. Uh, so we've got some voicemails from Charlie. Oh boy! I, I may not have listened to them before the show again. Oh boy! I got to get on that. Oh boy! Here we go. Oh boy! Yeah, I uh, I don't know how powerful the Flash is in any comic books or video games or anything like that, but I'll tell you what. He sure left a lasting impression when I happened to cross him on a bus in Philadelphia when I was seven. I mean, wow! I mean, you you just you, you don't you don't think of people like that when you're seven, you know? It's, it's disturbing. I have no idea how long he's going to do this for. Wait for it. You know, I was just thinking, I think you guys wait an awful lot for, for <laughs> my little things at the end here. And, uh, and honestly, it's, it, and it's not, well, a few times it was a conscious thing that I was kind of playing into the joke, but it's just kind of how I do stuff. Either I'll hang up on you right away or I'll, I'll sit there and wait and I'll, I'll think about it and then I'll, I'll have a little, little thing at the end, you know, a little, little stinger at the end of a conversation and, and I do it fairly often and I don't understand why. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Kisses. <laughs> I don't believe him. <laughs> no, this time he's done. Okay, okay. <laughs> what what he says about sometimes just calling and immediately hanging up, yeah, that's totally true. For every voicemail that makes it to the show, there's probably three uh, maybe maybe not three for each because he does leave a lot of voicemails. But I'd say a couple of times a month there will be some from a number uh, in his area code that are just like a hang up. I can't wait till someday they're called Evidence Q. <laughs> <laughs> so I got Whoa. one more. I have no idea how much of this is silence. So here we go. Okay, first off, Pat, <laughs> fucking Superman? Are you kidding me? He's the most bullshit superhero that there ever was. He is impervious to everything but one thing, a very rare element called kryptonite. It's so rare that they, that they don't, they, there's barely any on Earth, and it's impossible to get a bunch together. He's supposedly super smart. He's super strong. He can whip planes and alter the course of planets and shit like that. And, and he's, he's only proving my point. He's invincible, effectively. Yet he struggles with every fucking task he's given. There is never an episode or a movie of Superman where he does not find himself at a severe disadvantage somehow, never mind the fact that he is, he can fucking shoot laser beams out of his eyes, he can see through things, and he's, he's fucking invincible. I don't understand why people like this fucking piece of shit. Uh, second, uh, I'm a little shocked a little disappointed, not necessarily surprised, however, 
given you guys his adequate track record, that you failed to mention The Ripping Friends. The Ripping Friends was a Canadian cartoon uh, done by the guy who, who uh, did Ren and Stimpy. And it was, I think, four or five bodybuilders who were superheroes. And they had a, a idiot boy as their sidekick. And uh, they were extremely politically incorrect. And it was a hilarious, fucking awesome show. And I, I remember one episode in particular where there was a... Uh, a, the, the evil superhero was a cow that was taking all their protein so their muscles would start failing and they wouldn't work. Everyone except for the black super ripping friend superhero guy because, as they explained it, somehow his sickle cell anemia prevented his protein atoms from escaping. It was a wonderful show. And, and it, it was racist. It was, uh, it was not, not, uh, not appropriate for children all the time. So I'm, I don't know why Pat didn't like it or doesn't know about it. But anyway, Ripping Friends. It is the obvious answer to what is the best show out of the shows that you mentioned and the one that I mentioned. Yep. But they were, they were never in the Justice Ripping League. Ripping Friends. Uh, you can see right. it on YouTube. It's a good show. Good time. It was around for one season. Uh... Yes, that's uh, about it. All right, I'm not even sure where to start, but okay, I'm going to get a little super nerd here. Uh-oh. <laughs> Correcting Charlie again, because uh, while I agree uh, that Pat uh, has picked a pretty lame superhero, Superman is, has two weaknesses. Not only kryptonite, but he is also extremely vulnerable to Tequila. Magic. <laughs> no, well, tequila is magic, so maybe. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's vulnerable to all sources of sorceress power. It's one of the big weaknesses that wasn't just like stitched on in the last ten years, either. We're talking this goes back to like the fifties and sixties. So and well, the Ripping Friends. I don't know what the hell that has to do with DC, but I have seen Ripping Friends and it is ridiculous, but yeah. awesome. And if we're doing like weird Canadian cartoons then and now, yeah, that would be yeah. totally like about it. But Charlie, um, I think you missed the point. The of theme the sh- of the episode. Yes, there was a theme, and I think you missed it. There was a theme. <laughs> we should probably mention that at some point. Ermagard theme. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Magic. Magic like, beats Superman. Charlie is like Joel. He just likes to be wrong. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, man. Here we go. <laughs> so. And we can. <laughs> hey, Josh. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's about that time while is Charlie is loading his weapons. <laughs> this week in music, movies, and TV. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so this Lanius voice scares me. <laughs> this week in nineteen ninety-three. It's been over twenty-five years since Jurassic Park was released, but that was a year that it came out. So this week in music. Oh my god! It's the acronym of the week living off the twee. Uh T T W L G. Josh, you got an idea? Oh, yeah, that's Tito thinks Webster likes girls. <laughs> Definitely Janet Jackson, which, uh, oh my God. Who, who did this. She 
She was convinced that Web she, Tito, as we know from the Jackson Five, was convinced the Webster liked girls, which we all know is not correct. <laughs> Holy Amanda shit! Lewis, you're, you're talking about correct? Yes. Mm. Yes. No, that is <laughs> is actually that's the way love goes. Oh, oh, so oh! But it was by Janet Jackson. So yes. You know. <laughs> so that's the way love goes by Janet Jackson is the number one song in the middle of an eight week run. Uh, hints, allegations, and things left unsaid. As a debut album by Collective Soul is released by on uh, June twenty second. What Tito thinks about that, no one knows. Yeah, <laughs> he has not released that information. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. Remember, you know, that's actually a really good album. It is a great album. But Pat, I remember used to always like insist on whenever that song came on, he would just go yeah whenever he wanted to during the song. <laughs> Didn't have to go with the music. He'd just be like yeah, no, just randomly yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, see, I was gonna keep them separated, even though it's the wrong band. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> keep them separated. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. pretty much was Pat. See, I was sampling before it was even cool. Right. Uh, Ariana Grande is born on June 26, 1993, and thank you for that universe. Mm. Now, if only you could have kept her from singing. Yeah. So, movies. Hey. That's what Mute is for. (laughs) Hey, Pat. Yes. Well, no, you did the tweet. Hey, Josh, can you guess what the number one movie in the land is in Uh, 1993? Released on June 11th. To have something to do with Tito Jackson. Yes. (laughs) It's Jurassic Park. (laughs) Right. Tito Puente presents Jurassic Park. Tito Puente. (laughs) (laughs) So Jurassic Park is the number one movie in the land. Epicad, Tito Puente. (laughs) Sleepless in Seattle is released on June 25th, and everyone goes, huh. The Firm is released. I like that movie. Don't don't just like poop on that movie. I'm going to poop on that movie. I pooped on it twice. That's a good movie. It's better than You've Got Mail. Yeah, that is true. That is very true. Um, the Firm is released on June 30th, which is a pretty good movie. Yeah, it was okay. It was good. It's generic lawyer thriller. And then the first uh, of the generic lawyer thrillers, though. Yeah. And then on June 26th, Julia Roberts weds Lyle Lovett, and like a blind bukkake star, no one saw it coming. Yeah, he really will read anything you put in there. Yeah, well, <laughs> pretty much. Sometimes I think he's going to censor himself, but nope. No, nope. he just reads it. <laughs> just keep reading. I am Ron Burgundy. <laughs> well, I mean, don't you guys remember that though? I mean, they got married, and everybody was like, "What?" Yeah, I remember the. Was yeah. it a Vanity Fair cover with? Oh wait, no, I'm thinking of something else. No, I don't remember how the news broke. It was yeah. uh, New Yorker. Maybe it was oh. people. No, it was. Um, it might have been People. Weekly World News. <laughs> Weekly World News. <laughs> Julia Roberts weds Bat Boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm reminded of the So I Married an Axe Murderer. He's like, I find it disturbing, Mom, that you call these papers the news. <laughs> so, uh, TV, in the, the 90s, Four Horsemen reign as Cheers, Home Improvement, Seinfeld, and Roseanne are the top four shows. Well, we know which one isn't famine. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. That's good. Uh, Late Night with David Letterman airs for the last time on NBC on June 25th, 1993. Wow, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, before he made the big network move kind of out of protest and not getting The Tonight Show. Right. So uh, George Spanky McFarlane dies. 
because there must be death. <laughs> June 30th, 1993. He's an American actor, most famous for his appearances in the R Gang comedy shorts of the 1930s and 40s. The shorts were later syndicated as The Little Rascals. Poor Spanky. I wish I could remember what you look like. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. Kid. Oh, he had ah. a little beanie he had on. Oh, he's a oh boy. Yeah, I'm a real boy. <laughs> that well, was Pinocchio. That's Pinocchio. That's Pinocchio. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm confusing him and Pinocchio again. Okay. <laughs> oh wait, we got sport. The NBA season ends June 20th with the Ch- Chicago Bulls winning their third straight NBA championship, beating the Phoenix Suns four games to two in the NBA Finals. So the third title run. Would this have been the year Rodman joined? No, Rodman was there for the last three. He was there for the last three, okay. Yeah, because it was after this when Jordan retired for a season and a half. And then he went, I can play golf. (laughs) I can play baseball. No, you can play basketball. I'm allowed to play anything but basketball at this moment. Bo Jackson said, back off. I am, I am, I, you know, honestly, I think Bo Jackson was a little bit more impressive than Michael Jordan. Yes. Well, no, with playing really? multiple sports, maybe. But. Well, in, in, in the fact that he was able to play more than one sport. Oh, uh, well, that's happened say. a couple different times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he was not the, uh, like, unquestioned master of any no, sport. No, no, no. But he, 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 look, at, look at Jim Thorpe if you want to look at somebody who was an amazing athlete in several, several sports. He was an Olympic gold medal and, and record holder in the NFL for rushing yards. You know, we were talk, actually talking about this at work and discussing when the, um, the all-star teams went to the Olympics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was I, – I felt really bad. For the rest of the world at that point. <laughs> at, oh, at yeah. Point, they were just posing for pictures as they were getting dunked on. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, and in closing for the uh, basketball competition, uh, the United States, 213, South Korea, 12. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was a big deal right then when they allowed professional athletes to compete for that particular team sport. Well, Definitely made all of the other countries look like a seventh grade basketball team, but yeah, and it it was literally the greatest basketball team that will ever be assembled in the history of basketball. Yeah, there, there's no, I mean, there's no way that a team that has ten of the top fifty of all time players on it <laughs> is, is not going to be the best team ever assembled. They're never going to be able to do that again. No, yep. because the rest of the world's gonna be like, all right, you fooled us once. <laughs> We're not falling for that again. <laughs> And you know what the thing I like the most about is how after the end of the uh, end of the game, the opposing team was like, "Can you sign this for my daughter, please?" <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> hey, we've got miscellaneous this week. Let's not forget Mario Andretti. Boy, that guy could play all the sports. Anyway, what? Don't be dissing on Andretti. All right. Anyway, I just, I just wanted to mention him again. That's twice in one all evening. Right. I want to get your reaction as three males. If I say Bob it. Ouch. <laughs> On June 23rd, Lorena Bobbitt takes a kitchen knife and cuts off her husband, John Wayne Bobbitt's penis, claiming he had raped her. <laughs> no one even knew she was Jewish. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Pat. <laughs> They found it in a field, and then uh, John Wayne Bobbitt went on to a mediocre porn career. It lasted one movie because yeah. it was so mediocre. Yeah, they're like, eh, it's kind of... Sorry, man. I don't, know. I, <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking looking at the pictures of the decapitated penis. It wasn't that impressive. Didn't she, like, take it with her for a little while and throw it out of the, throw it out of the window yeah, of the car? Yeah, she drove down the road and threw it in the cornfield. Yeah. And by the way, they never found any any evidence that she was raped. Or that anybody would, would want to. There's that as well. Yes. And but that's just low. That's just low. Don't cut a man's penis off. Her and Amy Fisher opened the bakery. Hey, let's get on to the main show. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Jurassic Park. 
Then, 1993, Sam Neill as Dr. Alan Grant. Laura Dern as Dr. Ellie Sattler. Jeff Goldblum as the sexy and shirtless <laughs> Dr. Ian Malcolm. Richard Attenborough comes out of retirement for the John Hammond. Bob Peck, Robert Muldoon. Martin Ferrero as Donald Gennaro. Joseph Mazzello, Tim Murphy. And Ariana Richards as Lex Murphy. All right. Yay. Yay. Jurassic Park, 1993. <laughs> Went to go see it at the theaters because holy shit, dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I got to say, I everything that movie promised in 1993, it delivered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and it sold out theaters for weeks. Oh, my God, yeah. That uh, is the only movie that holds two distinctions for me. Number one, it's the only movie that I've ever seen in the theater more than twice. And it's the only movie I've ever seen in more than I've seen it in three different states. I saw it in New Jersey, Kansas, and Missouri. So why? Really? Because yep. it's awesome. Because it's Jurassic Park, man. Well, no, no, I'm not surprised at how much you love Jurassic Park. I'm just surprised it's the only one of the only films you've seen more than twice in the theater. Yeah, because remember that one that red, red, blue, white that he made us watch when we were in college. Emmy Cad. That was on home video, though. I didn't make. I just remember in those years, like I was going to see things two to three times regularly. I brought like Pulp Fiction was probably five. Uh, after I saw seven four times, I decided I was going to go see it seven times. <laughs> uh, like you do. Right. I remember when we all went to go see seven together and we all spent the night at the apartment because nobody wanted to go home. <laughs> all right. But we're talking about Jurassic Park. So Jurassic Park came out in 1993. <laughs> Sorry, there was a raptor in the room. So Jurassic Park, let's... uh. I don't even know where to start with this movie. This one, honest to God, ranks up there with Star Wars and Raiders for me. Wow, that's a bold statement. It is yeah, a bold it statement. It is huge. Because I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, because honestly, you know what? In this one, it promised dinosaurs and action, and I, it, I got more than I was expecting when I went when I went to go see this. I really enjoyed this movie. I mean, this is one of those few movies where, if again, if it's on, I'll watch it. Um, we watched it uh, Tuesday night this week. I got it on Blu-ray just to make sure they get the best image possible. And I'll tell you, uh, looking at the dinosaurs from over 25 years ago to now, they did a damn good job on those things. The for the gra- for the uh, digital uh, effects. And a lot of it was practical too. So. Oh yeah, a lot of it, it was. Lot, it was almost fifty-fifty. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of it was practical, but I will tell you that. Um, for the digital effects, like when the, uh, tr- um, oh, what are the brontosaurus called now? Uh, the apatosaurus? Oh, whatever they are. Apatosaurus or something like that? Yeah, no, something apatosaurus. Like that. They are really good looking. I mean, they, they look like <laughs> dinosaurs. I mean, as far as I know what they look like, but I mean, it's, they are really great effects and they hold up over 20 years. Well, I got two mm-hmm. words for you for that. Uh-oh. Steven Spielberg. He knew what he was doing with this, man. Yeah, this yeah. is before he lost his goddamn mind. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, he's he's not he's got an amazing track record for filmmaking overall. Sure. Yeah. So, the last couple of years notwithstanding. Right. And so, I mean, if you look at his back catalog, I mean, it's hard to find a bad movie in the bunch. And this just was one of those where he was at kind of at the height of his powers and could do no wrong. Absolutely. And just and just honestly just knocked it out of the park. I mean, 
yeah. <laughs> the Jurassic Park. Hey, I see what Perfect you did there. Patrick Goodwin. <laughs> All right, let's knock out some trivia on this one. So when the T-Rex comes through the glass roof at the Ford Explorer, that was actually a practical effect of a giant T-Rex robotic head. In the first attack, the glass was not meant to break. So all those screams that you hear from uh, Lex and Tim, those are real. <laughs> <laughs> I don't doubt it. Because, uh, honestly, you put them, hey, we're going to put you in this little bitty crushed car and pretend have a fake Tyrannosaurus come and try and eat your face. They're still going to scream. But, uh, and they're both just like, thumbs up. All right. <laughs> all right let's do it. Uh, and apparently there's a T-Rex riding by now. <laughs> So the Tyrannosaurus Rex's roar was a combination of dog, tiger, alligator, elephant, and penguin sounds. Huh. Making love. Neat. Yeah. That, would be, that would be the craziest animal orgy ever. I'd watch it. I feel bad for the <laughs> penguin. Twice. All right. So I, I don't know where to take this from now. So I'm going to talk about the glass of water. Uh, the glass of water sitting on the dashboard of the Ford Explorer was made to ripple by using a guitar string that was attached to the underside of the dash. So you can get that. And I love the bass in the theater when the when the Tyrannosaurus made that first step. Oh, yeah. so cool. So uh, all the cast were giving a uh, raptor model signed by Steven Spielberg as a gift. It looked very frightening, and Ariana Richards, that's Lex, had, his, had it in her house to shock anyone that was coming in. So you walked in the front door, there was a raptor. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's has a prime spot in his house as a cherished object. Laura Dern put her raptor model in her son's room near his crib. Uh, because... actually, Well, it was actually next to her father, and I was trying to take the spell off of seeing Bruce Dern. <laughs> oh yeah. See, uh, when he was older, he saw it and screamed like never before, and then she had it put into storage. It wasn't until shortly after she realized that she actually had her father put into storage. Ah, <laughs> poor Bruce. And the raptor was starring in Hollywood movies. Yeah, that was actually a raptor in the Burbs. Fred Sorensen was the pilot who flew off uh, Kauai when the hurricane hit during production. He played Jock, the pilot who flew Indiana Jones away in the opening scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and was also directed by Steven Spielberg. That's awesome. That is great. I, I put like that one in there for you, Josh. That is like super trivia right there. Yeah. Super trivia. He was he's also a not a member of the Justice magic. League. No, he was not. Nor will he ever be. So uh, some people said to Michael Crichton, why with a novel and the Jurassic in the title had a dinosaur from dinosaur from the uh, Crustaceous period been on the cover? What period uh, was that? The uh, Crustaceous <laughs> The, the the that's when SpongeBob lived, right? Yes, that too. I don't know. You know me. One, you know me, and pizza roam there. And two, I've had a couple of drinks. Oh, that's a good idea, Pat. Mm, Jurassic this pizza Park. is crustaceous. Mm. Yes, it is. That's that's a crustaceous for the movie. You know what? Fuck Come you all. Have our crustaceous pizza. It'll feed the T Rex in your family. So anyway, Michael Crichton said <laughs> it was just the best looking design. And by the way, Josh, Pat, and Joel, fuck you. <laughs> I didn't know Michael Crichton knew you guys, yeah, but still. Yeah. So uh, this movie grossed $357 million in the United States alone, $917 million worldwide. Spielberg made $250 million from the film, and it is the largest sum any single individual has made from one film. Wow. Yeah, for a long time, this was the fourth highest grossing film ever. 
For a good reason, too. That's an awesome freaking movie. Yeah. People bitched about when Jim Carrey made $20 million. I know. This guy made 250 Holy. Just a lot of paper and ruined the copy machine. <laughs> that is a huge pile of shit. The Triceratops <laughs> dung did not smell at all. It was actually uh, made of clay, mud, and straw, and drizzled in honey and papayas. So flies would swarm near it. So it was and delicious. It was delicious dung, and you could smoke it, too. That's also why the flies were by Jeff Goldblum, because they drizzled him with honey and papayas as well. No, he just does that. I have to leave, because now I have an image of uh, honey and papaya drizzled Jeff Goldblum in my head. Chaos. Is this too sexy for you to handle? Too sexy for my shirt. I'll be in my bunk. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Josh, did you see this in the theater? Oh, yeah. this I don't think I saw it opening weekend or anything. I think I caught it late in its run, but I really enjoyed it. I, I probably wouldn't put it in my top ten, but it's, I mean, it's a really important movie and easily the best dinosaur movie. And I'm sure we'll get a call about how there was this wacky Canadian dinosaur movie that we should have been fucking talking about. <laughs> what, Carnosaur 3? <laughs> it's coming. People are going to be wanting to, why didn't you do a show on Carnosaur? <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Except he's, he's going to be calling up and, and complaining we didn't do it. You know, talk about these alligator movies. It's like that's not what we were talking about. Or there's, or there's, you, you guys remember Dennis? Um, he he once had an idea for a movie called Dinosaur Megalopolis. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. It's where a bunch of people live on the other side of a hill, and one day they go and see what's on the other side of the hill, and it's full of dinosaurs, and the dinosaurs attack them. That is the <laughs> I've seen the script for that, and that is it right there. The entire plot, Dinosaur Megalopolis. Pretty classy. Good stuff. Anyway, Jurassic Park, Laura Dern. I had such a crush on her back in those days. Laura Dern? Yeah, you talked about her a lot. I really did. You did. I don't I don't get it. I'm with you, Mike. I, I mean, she's okay. Her and Juliette Lewis were the ones that he really liked in college. <laughs> it's a true story. Uh, but her in that movie specifically, I just, there's something about her. Just, I don't know. You know, what, like, you know what I think it was? I think it was her with those elbow deep uh, rubber gloves on that you're like, oh, Laura Dern. Touch my colon. I want to get a colon massage from you. Every cat, Laura Dern. <laughs> Maybe it's the way she looks like she's always squinting, like she can't see you. No, no, no. She is always squinting. She can't see you. Because that was a terrible joke. (laughs) You just repeated what he said with a different Different inflection is not funny. All right, fine. I've learned that now. Let's keep going. But anyway, back to dinosaurs. Oh, my God. Fucking velociraptors. Yeah, I don't think anybody really knew what the hell they were before this movie. And then they were fucking everywhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody cared about these things. And it, it was like whether or not they were real or not, because actually I, I read a little bit about them and they're actually maybe a little bit bigger than a dog is from what I've heard. Just figuring out on this. And it's oh, the, that would explain well, they, they thought that they, were, they thought that's how big they, you know, that they didn't get any bigger than that. But like soon after this movie, they found fossils that, you know, proved that they were human. There were some that were human sized. Yeah, they Ooh. found it in the prop room. Uh, speaking of which, <laughs> David Spielberg paid to have fossils put into the earth. <laughs> that's a really good point. Um, well, thinking about the dinosaurs and everything, where science was at at that point and what they pictured, whereas now, you know, science has come farther along and they've gotten more proof that dinosaurs probably looked a lot different than what we imagined. And I like the way they handled that in Jurassic World. So we may have to mention that again when we get there. I can mention it now, but don't, they, uh, don't mention it at all. 
Okay. Stop it. Wong told me I had to say it. Okay. So how how many of us saw this opening weekend? Ooh, I did. I did. I did not. No. I saw this at, um, God, where did I see? I think, want to say the Yorktown Theater. I've been there. Yeah. And it, you know what? I think the point where I realized that, holy shit, this is awesome, wasn't when they saw the Dilepsaurus or whatever the hell the uh, Brontosaurus is called right now, is when, when the Tyrannosaurus Rex gave out that first roar and that surround sound 5.1 hit you and your heart literally stopped for a second when it roared. <laughs> Great movie. I mean, honestly, across the board, this movie cannot be better than I think than it is. Well, it has everything. It's got comedy. It's got a little bit of horror. It's got dinosaurs, which everybody loves dinosaurs. It's, it's got, got gr- amazing actors, right? It's got yeah. a very young Samuel L. Jackson. Um, yep. Yeah. Without swearing. Uh, I mean, and and then of course you've got Sir Richard Attenborough, right? I mean, come on. He that was, last, he's oh, amazing in this. Well, and that last scene where he's standing there and they're getting on the helicopter to leave after this is horrifying night. And he's just, you can tell that he's just completely destroyed at that point. And you can just read it on his face. It's just, ah, oh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's spared no expense. <laughs> oh, yeah. He says I that probably not... eight or nine times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The next time, though, next time we'll have control. <laughs> uh, yeah, that won't be a next time. Um, yeah, just just all around. I mean, I think the source material was part of it, but then you put it in the right hands, you add the right cast, and it just was kind of a perfect storm. I mean, they tried to recreate it in the sequels, to, you know, two and three, but it just, I mean, where are you going to go with it at that point? Well, I, I bring, good that you bring that up, uh, Joel. How many of us have read the novel? I have. I have. I have not. No? You should, because honestly, all the people that are in this movie are completely different in the in the book. Mostly the lawyer. Yeah. yeah. The lawyer is, yeah. Spielberg has said that like he only has about 10% of the material from the book in the movie. Oh, yeah. You can't, yeah, honestly, with the way the book reads, you can't really, you can't really jam it all into one movie. Is Laura Dern in the book? Yeah. <laughs> she plays one of those uh, dinosaurs with the flappy things on the side of her face. <laughs> Aww. They're actually called <laughs> Dernosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I want one. <laughs> anyway, no, really. I mean, is it is it that? I mean, it's that different, that much different. It, it really is. I mean, where to the point where in the movie the lawyer gets eaten while he's sitting on the on the crapper. Yeah. In the book, the lawyer is a friggin' hero. Well, he's on the verge of villain almost because I mean he's he's like a mafia lawyer, kind of, but he does the right thing when it comes down to it. Sure. I mean, he's not, he's not the one to go hide in the, uh, hide in the outhouse type of guy. He's more of the, well, shit, it's hit the fan. I gotta do what I gotta do at this point type of thing. Hmm. And like Dr. Henry Wu, instead of just like, hey, I'm here and uh, now we're done. Like, <laughs> cause yeah, his part in the movie is like basically a flyby during the, uh, dinosaur eggs hatching scene at the beginning. And yeah, he's he, a major part of the book. Yeah. He's he like, has a, yeah. He has big top billing too, uh, in the movie. And he only has, he has less than 15 minutes of screen time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's BD Wong, man. Don't knock him. I made oh. dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> they did yeah, him. I, Wong. Time to I go certainly... play Peter Pan. Somebody will get that joke. <laughs> Someone, none of us, but someone. Right in to 40 go for trading places. So. So. Trading spaces. What? Is that what it was called? No. What are you talking about? I don't know. Never mind. Maybe I'm wrong. 
So, <laughs> anyway, I must have misheard you. So, favorite part of the movie? Oh, Ooh. and uh, there's so many good parts, especially with all of the suspense that builds up. I mean, there's several scenes where you just are on the edge of your seat, and you're like, "Wait a minute, it's a movie about dinosaurs." Every moment that uh, the kids are not on the screen, like <laughs> kids. Oh, oh, I thought they were I like terrible. Them. I liked him. I liked him too. I hate everything. Worthless. Wow. At least entertaining. Uh, that's a good question, man. Damn it. So you were rooting for the Raptors in the kitchen? Yes. Oh, oh no! Screw actually, it. I don't think the had the girl called herself a hacker yet. No. That is a stupid scene. Yeah. Well, and just in general, like I understand. Yeah, they're children. They get scared. They make dumb decisions. But man, I rewatching this over the years. Every time I watch it, I was like, "Wow!" I mean, this is a Unix system. I know this. Yeah, well, maybe even before that. that. I mean, that's, that's the writer's fault for that yeah. shit. Well, I think Josh's favorite part then is when the little kid gets electrocuted. <laughs> oh, yeah. Slapstick comedy. That's that's exactly what I was looking for. Well, but he's electrocuted. So you were like, <laughs> but one, he survived. One for the good guys. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, there's just so many parts that are great. I think, I mean, I'm going to, I'm just going to have to go with the, the, the T-Rex part just because when that first happened and that first moment, that sensation with the, the bass thumping and when you see it and you get that sense of magnitude, I, I just, it still is a great scene. The whole scene in front of the, the, um, T-Rex pen is fantastic. Um, the, I, I like it when this, the point that sets the tone for the whole thing is when, um, Lex goes, where's the goat? And then it hits the fan. Um, <laughs> The, I, what I didn't like about that point, about that whole scene, is Sam, uh, I'm sorry, it's not Sam Neill. Alan Grant comes out, when Grant comes out and he's got the flare and he's leading the Tyrannosaurus Rex away. Ian Malcolm. Grant? No, 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 no. Grant Lee is leading the, uh, the Tyrannosaurus Rex away. And then Ian Malcolm jumps out of the car and he's like, hey, I got a flare too. (laughs) I'm gonna help. Look at me! And a flare! I'm gonna outrun a Tyrannosaurus Rex! <laughs> well, I mean, you could see that. He was like, oh, flares is what we're doing. Okay, cool. I could do that too! Chaos. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and, uh, I, I, don't get me wrong. I think that Ian Malcolm was a great character through the entire thing. I mean, especially through the car ride, like, when, um, Sam Neill, Alan Grant gets out of the car and goes, see? No, nobody could have, nobody could have predicted that he would get out of the, of a moving vehicle. Yeah. And, and, and now I'm talking to myself. And now I'm talking to myself. And see, that, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's chaos theory right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that he's not a great character because he is. Ian Malcolm, honestly, is one of the, uh, better, uh, characters that I took away from this. The, the, uh, thing that I don't get is they threw in that thing, like, with a flare, and there's so many, like, little stupid bad decisions across the movie. And now, then well, he went on to become the <laughs> People tend to panic in panic situations. So, I mean, you don't necessarily make the best choice when you're being attacked by a 50-foot Tyrannosaurus Rex because you're not really used to that. Yeah, that's not something you can plan for. <laughs> or when you're being attacked by Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> He's whistled in honey and papayas. I was attacked by a giant 50-foot Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so. talking to myself. <laughs> Aren't you always? So, uh, favorite scene for the other? There's still, I think, what, Patrick, two? favorite scene. Mine was actually just a, probably a, 
My my favorite scene is probably just a little throwaway moment. Um, it's the it's the moment when Nedry is meeting with the guy that's buying all the all the eggs off of him. Oh, uh, Dobson. Like, when they when they set the when the, he sets the, the the waiter sets the check down and that look on Nedry's face as he's like I in the build and I in him. He's like, don't get cheap now. <laughs> I like it when he takes yeah. the the shaving cream and puts it on the pie. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> that whole scene is just such a perfect exposition on what a. What a scummy dude this guy was. Yeah. yeah, he was he was a real douche. Josh, what about you, man? Favorite scene? Huh. Actual favorite scene is probably at the climactic confrontation at the end when the uh raptors are chasing them through the hall and the T Rex busts in. Oh yeah. And then you've got that brilliant <clears throat> shot of the T Rex roaring as the banner when dinosaurs rule the earth flutters from the ceiling. That one shot is just so good. Yes. Yeah. Classic. Um, but there's always the classic argument that people say is like, how did the dinosaur, the, ty- the T-Rex suddenly get so quiet and sneak up on everybody like that? But whatever. It's a, I it's, mean, if, you, if you've suspended disbelief enough to think that we could clone some dinosaurs, then... Yeah, at that point, if that's what you're worried about, you're looking at the totally wrong point of the movie. <laughs> I, I think my second favorite scene is when the Dernosaurus is digging through the poop, though. <laughs> Dernosaurus. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, All right. I mean, I'm just saying, like, even if even I can suspend disbelief enough to just enjoy the moment, and I bitch about a lot of stupid shit. Yeah, you do. Yeah. All right, and, okay, just on and off, how badass is Robert Muldoon? <laughs> oh yeah good character that guy i mean he he knew i think he knew from the very beginning he wasn't getting out of there alive yeah when he started hunting the velociraptors he and he did the whole clever girl thing yeah that he was just he, he, he volunteered to go with laura dern's character basically because he's like if i don't she's gonna die so yeah i'm gonna die yeah i mean his character was just like the classic uh australian psycho um, I mean, I don't want to say psycho, but like, I mean, he's just got like no care for. I, I, I'm beyond all of your petty fighting and and thing. I, I'm the only one that realizes how deep a shit we are in right now. Though, right now, just no fear. Oh yeah, I mean, he, he, I mean, he. I don't want to say he had no fear, but he had a severe. I mean, he really respected what those velociraptors were able to do. Oh yeah, I, I'm sure he. Right before he died, he admitted he'd been defeated he realized he'd been outfoxed by the greater hunter yeah yeah and that was i mean he, when he when he turns to um uh the dernosaurus and he's like run i mean all if i'm walk, walking with him and he says run by the time the n came out of his mouth <laughs> i would have been 50 feet away you don't even ask what direction you just start running in a certain <laughs> right through the jungle it's exactly right right. like what he's telling me to run i'm getting the hell out of here because it's more than i can deal with at this time <laughs> so, I don't. I don't even know what else to say about this movie. I mean, because honestly, if there's people out there that have not seen it, what are you doing? Go see this movie, rent it, uh, buy it. If you have not seen, I mean, I've talked to people at work when I was uh, actually the last couple of days. I'm like, hey, I'm going to go see Jurassic World, and a couple of my coworkers were like, I've never seen any of the Jurassic movies, and it again, it's one of those situations where, like I have no response for that. I mean, how do you how do you Air not? Dad. Oh my god, how do you not see Jurassic? You just stare at him and just keep blinking, like, yeah. don't say a word. Just, uh? <laughs> I mean, if you do, if you want proof of how truly beloved the, 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 well, the franchise is, but this movie alone, I mean, just look at the numbers for Jurassic World and that tells the tale, tells the tale right there. Yep. And we'll get to that. We after will. The break. 
Yeah, we're going to skip over the direct sequels, uh, The Lost World and Jurassic Park 3. Mm -hmm. And I think for good reason. Uh, They were okay, but once they turned it into a series, it kind of, I don't know, lost some of its luster. Yeah, I'll agree with that, because honestly, the... They took out the best parts of the book, and then they tried to make sequels with the parts that they didn't use, like the aviary and that sort of thing. All those parts were actually in the book itself, and and the uh, but they didn't put it in the first movie. It's like all those scenes that they weren't able to initially do, they made into the sequels, but there wasn't as cohesive as the first movie. Yeah. Like I said, great cast, but just kind of, I think they were a little rushed and just not well thought out. Well, and Crichton did not intend to write sequels. The sequels weren't a thing, but there was so much money out there, and the fans were clamoring for it. He was kind of pressured into doing it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, I'll knock I'll out another one. Millions. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, Jurassic <laughs> World at the break? Yeah, when we come back, we'll be talking about the new Jurassic Park film, the, right. the sequel Jurassic Park Deserved. Jurassic World. All right. Dinosaurs versus Star Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back. We are now going to discuss the 2015 sequel to Jurassic Park called Jurassic World. Yes, uh, that is true. And Josh concedes that that is what we are going to talk about. No, kids, it's not a reboot. It's not a reimagining. It is a true sequel. It is oh, a, yeah. It is a true sequel, and I appreciate the fact they went with a true sequel on this one. Uh, for those of you who are living under a rock in a cave inside of a uh, tree in the middle of nowhere, uh, Chris Pratt plays Owen, Bryce Dallas Howard plays Claire, Ifran Khan Masrani, 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 Vincent Diaforno Hoskins, Ty Simpkins is gray, I'm not going to get any of these right, Nick Robinson, <laughs> Zach. You got that one right. Jake, Jake Johnson, Lowry, Omar Sid, Barry, B.D. Wong, Dr. <laughs> Henry Wu, and Judy Greer as Karen. Is it the same Judy Greer from... Uh, Everything, yes, from Arrested Development, from all kinds of stuff. Archer, yeah. She's yeah. everywhere these yeah. days. She was she kind of a good part, though. She's great. She's the one that eats the uh, uh, rubber cement. She was kind of a small part, though, in the movie, but mm-hmm. Bryce Dallas Howard's sister. Oh, yeah. Yep, she was the mother of the children. Right. Okay, so. Okay, okay, okay. Right, okay, okay. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> So this is the biggest movie on the planet right now. Yes, it is. It has it passed a billion? Because last I saw it was at ninety nine hundred eighty one no, million. It, it's it's coming. It's it's getting ridiculous amounts of money right now. Yeah, worldwide, I think the, the box office totals have surpassed. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Everybody wanted to see this. Everybody wanted to. Everybody wanted to see this movie, and everybody wants to see Chris Pratt riding a motorcycle with Velociraptors. Now, it's much okay. cooler than watching than watching Shia LaBeouf with monkeys. That's for sure. No kidding. Well, and here's here's a question though, and and this is something I've because I'm hearing a lot of people now are starting to become you know oh it's not good it's not cool you know now that it's so big 
But do you think that the success is because it is? It's a Jurassic. Oh, I I freaking love this movie. But is it because it's a Jurassic Park movie that went back to kind of the roots? Is it because of Chris Pratt, or is it just because it's like the the right time, the right script, the right everything? I mean, everything about it's good. Like there is a certain category of person that just like doesn't make anything, doesn't create anything. All they do is shit on everything anybody else makes, whether it's popular or not. Like if they hadn't had uh, all of the callbacks to the original film, these idiots would be uh, like, oh, would it have killed them to like make a few references to the original film? Instead, they're like bitching about the fact that there are all the callbacks to the original. Mm. Just the attitude irritates the shit out of me. And bitching about the product placement and everything. Like, well, it looked like an actual theme park. That's why there was so much product placement. That's and you know what? There was actually a couple comments on Reddit about how Oh, look at Jurassic World, Mercedes, Mercedes, Mercedes. That was a friggin' theme of the movie. You know, you had the one, um, the Adventure Center that's sponsored by Samsung. You've got this area. I mean, the entire thing is about how, uh, man does not understand what he's dealing with and is so in such a rush to make money off of it and get it sponsored that he doesn't realize how deep into the shit pile he's already, uh, become. Well, th- so take those same elements and which one of those things has made it as the monster gigantic success that it is. I mean, I think it's a perfect storm of everything. It's been long enough that people have forgotten about the crappy Jurassic Park sequels. You've got uh, a guy who deserves every good thing that's coming to him. I mean, Chris Pratt, everybody loves this guy. And for good reason. He's talented. He seems to be a genuinely nice guy all the way around. Um, uh, Handsome. If- yeah, if he's going to be the next Dude box office superstar, I am all for that. I wish him nothing but the best. Exactly. He's, Chris, he's, I, well, Chris Pratt and um, who's the guy who plays uh, Captain America? Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Honestly, there's this, this um, br- for lack of a better word, breed of superstar that is coming out right now that I'm really enjoying them being famous. Chris Pratt and Chris Evans, on a regular basis, will call each other and be like, hey, you want to go to a children's hospital dressed up as Star-Lord and Captain America and just go around and say hello to all the kids who are sick? Okay, cool. Let's do that this Saturday. And they will just show up at a hospital and do this. And you know you know another pair that's kind of like that? Not not in the superhero vein, but um, Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill do that. With, they're like, hey, let's go do some charity stuff together. <laughs> yeah, they do. And there's this great uh, like wave of of um celebrities that are so not into themselves that are just like you know what all these kids love me as captain america or as chris pratt as as star lord i'm going you know we're going to go to the go to the kids kids uh, hospital and say hello to them just because well and then they also are kind of a no nonsense non hollywood approach cuz you look at speaking of channing tatum he just was recently quoted as saying you know he hates the fucking gi joe movie i mean that's like <laughs> that's like burning your bridges but well, it, it in doesn't his, matter. In his defense, the GI Two movie did suck. Well, yeah. and I don't disagree, but I'm just saying that it's it's an interesting, it's a nice change of pace to see that happening rather than what we've been dealing with for so long. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you've got amazing effects, great script, just a well-made mu- movie, a beautiful, beautifully shot. Uh, all the composites of er- the way each uh, set piece is put together, one after another. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have find it very difficult to find something to complain about with regards to this film. They well, Spielberg the shit out of this movie. <laughs> well, here's one thing I do have to say about it, and this is not a complaint at all, because I, I did. I absolutely... It was 
so great to see this movie. Um, it really is in, at the bare essentials. If you pull it down to the, just the, the skeletons of the film, it's a retelling of the original story. Just bigger and better and, and it's, whatever. Right. You know? It's, it's the same and, and story. They kind of actually tongue in cheek reference their own, you know, their own propensity to every movie, make it bigger, better, whatever, but with the whole, you know, making the, um, Indominus Rex, you know, the biggest, baddest dinosaur ever. It's like they, you know, and they're making fun of it at one point. They're saying like, well, we got to keep raising the stakes to keep the people coming. And it's like a, me- almost like a meta joke talking about their own string of movies. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that was kind of the point I was getting to. And thank you that for making it. Cause you're right. I mean, I think that. Because it is almost identical to the original film, there's a reason for that. And I think that's another reason that it has some of the appeal that it does. All right. It's familiar. Let's let's get some of the trivia out of the way. According according to the filmmakers, the T-Rex in the film is the same T-Rex that appeared in the original Jurassic Park. She is? Yes. She bears visible scars from the climactic fight with the velociraptors in the first film. They also reference that uh, I believe it's on... The, the cage or whatever, somewhere in the literature that they're walking by, it says that she's been there 25 years or something like that, which ties back oh, into the original. Nice. I missed that. Clever. Yeah. Uh, Indominus Rex means fierce or untamed king in Latin. Uh, the holograms of, of the Velociraptor and the, the Dilophosaurus are from scenes in the original Jurassic Park. <laughs> nice. The I Velociraptors is from the kitchen scene and the Dilophosaurus footage is from when Nedry was attacked. Uh, this film takes place after the death of the original Jurassic Park character, John Hammond, and is also the first film in the series to be released after the death of the cast member who played him, Richard Attenborough. Which, you know what, Richard Attenborough, awesome. I wish I wish he was alive to come back and do this one. Or to see it, you know, see yeah. what he helped create. Yeah, because I mean, he came out of retirement to do the first one. So um, to see he, how much people were like, oh my god, I want to see this more type of thing, so... And how much they pay homage to his character throughout the entire film. Oh, yeah. The Hammond uh, Hammond creation uh, system or whatever it was called. Uh, but according to Fandango, it would cost approximately $23.5 billion to build a real-life Jurassic Park. Spared would, no expense. Yes. <laughs> this is really good ice cream. Uh, the park itself would cost $1.5 billion. It would cost an estimated $10 billion to purchase an island uh, off the coast of Costa Rica. Eight million dollars for research and legal team. Uh, nine million to get dinosaur DNA, and eight point five million to clone dinosaurs from it. Employees and operating expenses would cost over eleven billion each year. That's thirty-two million dollars a day. Uh, the dinosaur food alone would cost over two hundred million a year, and that brings the yearly operating expenses to a cool twelve billion dollars. But you know what? Dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Because who, I mean, honestly, throw back to when we were kids, who does not want to see dinosaurs? Yeah, man, it's, it's like, if, if this actually became a thing, like a real thing that you would have to cover those expenses for, you would have to find the sweet spot of how much money you can charge people to make a profit to where they could still afford to go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, a fan theory is that Chris Pratt's character is the grown-up version of the doe-eyed boy. He had weird eyes, man. That yeah. Grant yeah. intimidates with a raptor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Those are just a big chicken. Um, Hollywood got, got a hold of him too quick. <laughs> what's his name? Whit uh, uh, Herford. Whit Herford. Yes, thank you. Wow. That was actually worse than I was thinking. <laughs> He's still acting. Okay. Good to know. Uh, going on. <laughs> He's still um, got weird eyes, too. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Uh, the kid that he intimidates with the raptor claw at the dig site. So they say that that's the kid. Uh, 
and he grows up to become Chris Pratt. Which they've dispelled that, but... Yeah. Uh, Owens being able to anticipate Peck hunting behavior then could be explained by the warning Grant gives in the first film. Uh, Owen also says that to work with the Raptors, he has to show them respect, something that Grant also warns of, and the original actor, Whit Hertford, dismisses the idea, saying, guys like me don't grow up to look like Chris Pratt. <laughs> and he is uh, so right. <laughs> in the movies, they do. Yeah. So, and in all three previous films, at some point in production, the story included pterodactyls attacking a helicopter. This is the first movie to actually implement that. <clears throat> okay. Now I can finally, I want to, this is one part of the movie that I, I loved, and it was not my favorite part, but one that I thought was neat. Now, granted, B.D. Wong's character becomes a giant dick in this, but um, it's probably because he got dissed in the first one. Oh my God, Whit Hertford does look... He looks the same. He looks like... He, <laughs> no, he doesn't here? look the same. He looks like a carny. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Anyway, there's anyway. a scene where where um, uh, Miss Ronnie comes into his office after everything's gone to hell, and he's like, you know, trying to find out what's in the, the Indominus Rex, and he's talking about, you know, I can't tell you that and all this stuff, and he's like, it, basically it comes down to, he's like, if I would have created dinosaurs, you know, the way that they truly are, people wouldn't come. And it kind of is a nice way of saying, you know, okay, we know now that dinosaurs maybe didn't look like this or were not this size or were this, that, and the other thing, but we created them to meet what the public wanted because that's what the version of dinosaurs that people want to see. And when that was a really kind of almost uber aggressive too. It mm -hmm. was just a neat way of explaining everything and making anybody who, whoever was like, man, they don't look like that. Dinosaurs aren't that way. You know, they're too big. They're too small. It, it completely made sense of it all. And I thought it was just a brilliant one. It was a throwaway kind of thing, but it, I, I just went, yeah, nice. Cause everyone wanted to see a pterodactyl with a Tyrannosaurus Rex head. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it feels like a video game. Yep. Well, and they, that's the whole subplot. They start advancing. It's like, okay, well, where do we go from here? And it's like, well, we've already covered all the major dinosaurs. What if they start making new ones? And that's the problem. you end up with the Indominus Rex and they combine all of the best features cosmetically once again without considering the consequences of we made it look like this and now it's acting in a way that's unpredictable. Well, not even unpredictable, but it's acting in a way that it should, that we didn't conceive of. Sure. You know, it's like, oh, hey, we, we have this, uh, you know, we've got this, um, Indominus Rex. Oh, we just threw some of the South African frog, uh, genome in there. Now, well, if go they're any good, they should be like, you know, maybe a frog that can change itself, col change its color should not be a good thing for a gigantic, uh, fang beast to have. <laughs> And I are was sad that he never used that ability again. Are we calling spoilers or not? Oh, we are so calling spoilers. Well, okay. I mean, that's the thing is we're not avoiding spoilers at this point. I, I think if, if you've listened to any number of our shows, you realize that we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about. Right. Well, because there's one thing that you're leading up to with this line of thought that Mike has that was one of the cooler parts, I thought, in the movie. But it gives away kind of a big thing that I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. If you know what I'm talking about. I think if people care about that, they've already tuned out or have decided to not listen to this episode until after they've seen the show. I have no idea what you're talking about. 
Okay. It's well we talked about Chris Pratt and the motorcycle riding raptors. Yes. Um the scene when they're riding out and they're they're all badass with InGen and you get that kind of like, yeah, they're gonna go kick ass with Raptors. Yeah, this is every kid's, you know, wet dream. And then when they get there and they realize that the Indominus Rex is part Raptor and that moment where they all go, Oh fuck. Yeah. You know it's like now you just let Raptors into the park again, don't you people learn? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that part I just I literally was like I turned over to Isaiah because you know he's he loves Jurassic Park with it. That's his like all time favorite thing. I just looked over at him and he just had this big smile on his face, and that's the way I felt too. And it was one of those kind of neat moments. Yeah. So that's so cool. No, I mean I I agree with you on the that I watched that scene and I'm like I actually turned to Suzanne and was like you know what the big bulking um army dude InGen guy. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's character? Yeah, that guy. Hoskins. Um, I'm like, you know what? He may actually save the day. The way it was, the way it was building up to was, holy shit, he may actually pull this off. And then once they got out there and I'm like, and they, the uh, Indominus came out and started talking to the raptors. (laughs) (laughs) There was, I I mean, I had a, uh, when they say a sinking feeling, you know, like get that feeling in your chest where you're just kind of like, oh shit. Yeah. You know, like they are in a lot deeper than they yeah, thought when, they were. When those three raptors turned around and they didn't attack him, I, I said to, to Allison, I was like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wasn't fooled for a moment. Like, unless the climax of the movie was going to be solved by a pork chop eating contest, I didn't <laughs> think Hoskins was going to save the day. Pork chops. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't expect Daredevil to pop out. Go more piles of donuts. <laughs> so, we're, um, I don't I forgot what, what was the nanny's name? The, the, the chick that was supposed to watch the over the kid. Yeah. The, yeah. Most great. source food. Yeah. Whatever. But when she got introduced, one of the, I mean, honestly, one of the funniest parts for the entire movie for me was uh, she gets introduced. She meets the boys and in, I uh, was sitting next to Katie and she turns to me and she goes, dead. <laughs> Just like. Well, quite honestly, she had the, the most horrific death of anyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh wow. That was she rough. She died hard. <laughs> yeah. Willis, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, getting skewered by a pterodactyl and then get eaten by whatever the giant Mosasaurus. El- the Mosasaurus alligator thing was. Um And then when she was dying and she's like, I'm again. <laughs> You can't recover from that. Nope, no coming back from that one. Uh what about the kids in this one? I, you know, I thought that they were reasonable, and uh, this is something my wife pointed out that I missed. They didn't explicitly say it, but I think the younger brother, once she pointed it out, I agree that he, the younger brother probably had Asperger's or was somewhere on the autism spectrum. He didn't quite understand uh, his brother's socially. He had difficulty processing his emotions. He had ridiculous recall of obscure facts. And it was all about numbers and uh, measurements. measurements. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, now that you bring that up, holy crap. Yeah, I think <laughs> the kid was probably an Aspie. Well, huh. and I think that the, the older brother was really well written um, because he was playing it somewhere between older brother, you know, cool guy slash, uh, you know, good I, guy heart. No bullshit. He's like the second he walked on that island, he's like, I am so going to fucking cheat on my girlfriend. Well, he's a teenager. It was kind of made obvious that he wasn't any, really into her anyway. Right. Yeah. But I mean, just the way he kind of he kind of walks that fine line between I'm going to be cooler than school, but I'm also going to look out for my brother. And I'm also secretly enjoying this at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is you could see. I mean, the littler brother was 
in enthralled by the park the entire time. I think a better person to watch was the older brother who went from like, okay, yeah, this is for little kids, but you know, I gotta watch you. So, and then every once in a while, the facade cracks and you could see him catching himself, like getting into it. Yeah. Were, yeah. When he, when he first showed up on screen, I was very concerned. I was like, well, this is going to be a very one dimensional character, mm-hmm. but no, he, ter- he turned out to be really pretty well written. What they were the-, the composites of the audience? You had yeah. people that were skeptical and the people that were all in. Yeah, one of the one of the things I also said to uh, Katie while we were sitting there watching the movie is when um, he's standing there with his girlfriend and he's like, uh, he says he starts to say, "I'm gonna," I and she goes, "I love you," and he says, "I'm gonna miss you." I was like, "All right." I leaned over to Katie. I'm like, "Okay, first off, don't do that, and second of all, make the boys do that." <laughs> so first, yeah. So, um, but no, I mean the the uh initially my my feeling on the movie was, holy crap, I can't believe these parents are letting these kids go to this island where these people were killed at. But then you find out in just in initial like conversation that this has been going on for a long time. Yeah, it, they've given their themselves the false security that it's like Disneyland now. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Though that's not to say I don't want to ride a baby ter- uh, triceratops. <laughs> right? I saw that. I'm like, I want to do that. I want to know how that globular vehicle thing that they ride through the pastures. The gyroscope? And, yeah. How the fuck is that thing not covered in shit? <laughs> that's actually... Teflon? I'll roll with that because that's exactly what I leaned over. I was like, hey, Suzanne, if that thing rolls through that thing. I mean, we know how big the turds were from the Triceratops <laughs> exactly. in the first movie. Like, shouldn't that always be covered in shit? That should be a giant shitball. <laughs> and then second of all, okay, so um, they're chasing after the kids. Right. And uh, Claire is, states her that I'm going to go find my nephews. Okay, awesome. And Owen's like, you, you dress like that, you're not going to. And she rolls up her sleeves and ties off her waist. And he's yeah. like, and he's like. I, I don't know what that means. Yeah, what did that do? <laughs> what, what was that? What is that? It means I'm ready. And, and the, the I hate to say this, but the thing that bugged me the most is one sentence. In those stupid shoes. <laughs> because for the entire rest of the movie, I'm like, there is no way in hell she is running full speed through a swamp in heels. Well, you, didn't you guys notice that when she did that, she whipped out her license from the Scully School of Running? So, I mean, she learned from the best. Yeah, but still, there, I mean, I mean, there is no way you're going to run from a Tyrannosaurus Rex while holding a road flare in heels on wet slate. Just saying. That was the only thing that drug me out of the movie was those goddamn shoes. I never really had much of a problem with it. I Not forgot really. about it after. Yeah, it's me. That, no, I meant running in, in heels. Mike's got Asperger's. He was dealing with it. He couldn't let it go. I don't know where I'm going with that. I like numbers. I'm a kid. I'm a dummy. That's me. Yeah, and I like that. I like. I got that uh, leg came out of the skirt part for you, Josh, uh, Pat. There. Yeah. Yeah. That was nice. She's no Laura Dern, but <laughs> see, you're definitely thank about that. God. She's a lot better. <laughs> I agree. So, um, uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex versus Indominus Rex. There was a well, great as long scene. as the T Rex has friends, he wins. Yeah. She. As long as old blue yes, comes around. That is a good point. And I noticed that about, uh, they talk about the toys from this, uh, film. They're, a big uh, plot point is made that all of the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park are female. They repeat that over and over again. And, uh, it was kind of sickening to me to see that, uh, I think it was, I, I don't want to get the toy company wrong, but the toy company that made the toys for this film decided that they couldn't sell girl dinosaurs to boys. So they decided to make boy dinosaurs that looked like, uh, the dinosaurs from Jurassic World. 
What? I yeah. have not heard this. Yeah, the article was uh, just came up today. Bam. And you look at each of the uh, four raptors. They made one. Oh, this one is a, he he's terrifying and he looks just like blue. It's like, really, guys? <laughs> no, I've not heard this. Yeah, yeah this I mean, how did how did they signify Hasbro, this? Do they have giant gigantic like raptor dicks or no? It's in the like on the packaging. It's Hasbro. It just yeah. says like boy. Yeah, it's here. It is right here. Clever as ever, Jurassic World's Velociraptors are masterful hunters, and this awesome figure looks just like Velociraptor Blue. He's ready to team up with his fellow Velociraptors, and it goes on to say his and he several other times. And if you pull the string, it says really offensive things to the other, you know, to, to the female. Hey, raptor. baby, you're I'm looking a, pretty cute. I've got the that. weirdest boner right now. <laughs> I'm going with this. I'm sorry, Velociraptors would probably. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> That's that's crazy. <laughs> well, okay. and I think it's this. We've talked a little bit about marketing and the callousness of it. The Hasbro marketing execs completely missed the point of the movie because this is probably done because they don't want to cannibalize their other toy lines. Mm. They want to make sure that there are pink toys that are for girls that are about shopping and hair and that there are action toys for boys. And they're afraid that if they make toys that blur the line, that they'll cannibalize from their other marketing efforts. So this was a decision made by Suits in a boardroom that, uh, honestly, I find it kind of disgusting. Suits in a boardroom? Hey, fuck you. You know why? You know what? Here, I'm just going to say this right now. You know what? Kids don't care because dinosaurs. Exactly. Right. If they're good, they, they're probably, if they want to turn it into a boy, they'll make it into a boy either way. So just. Can't just walk into a room and say bugs. <laughs> Damn it, Pat. <laughs> and there was one character in Jurassic World that constantly referred to the raptors as he. And that's Hoskins, who was later eaten by them. In not quite a horrific way, but pretty bad. Yeah. <clears throat> That's so. New- yeah. yeah. So fuck marketing. So they've already agreed to, they've already started working on the follow up and Chris Pratt ag- has agreed to do two more. So Jurassic War is being worked on now. Um, and it, this is just a quick, the reason I bring this up is, is a quick story. This was about two days ago. Uh, I was in the kitchen and I, Isaiah and I were talking and, and then you got like, attacked by a velociraptor. No, he looked up at me and he's like, he's like, I, I, I hope they, I hope they make a sequel to Jurassic World. And I said, Oh, they're already working on it. I said, it's called Jurassic War. And I said, uh, and, uh, Chris Pratt's going to be in it. And he kind of looked at me funny and I said, you know, Star Lord. And he's like, good. Like, you know, like he was sold at that point. As long as <laughs> those two things were involved, there were dinosaurs and Chris Pratt. He was on board a hundred percent. Me too. Yeah. So, so favorite moment from this one. Oh, good question. Yeah. Oh, I got to th- I just saw this last night. Literally? Like, yeah, you- I literally saw this last night. I, um, donated blood, got on the train, and my <laughs> friend, well, my friends on the train were like, Hey, how you doing? Look, I brought, uh, wine, cheese, and, uh, sausage, so have some wine. So I had a big old glass of wine on the train on the way home, and then went and saw Jurassic oh. Park, and it wasn't until about halfway through that I realized I wasn't actually there. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you were just, still on the train, just eh. yeah. No, no, no. I was like freaking out because because uh, all the monsters, the uh, dinosaurs were attacking me. Um, my, <laughs> I just thought he'd accidentally gotten on the green line. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part was when um, Claire pulls the gun and then smacks the shit out of the Tyrannosaurus uh, pterodactyl thing and saves Chris Pratt from uh, getting chewed on by that one and then guns it down. And then immediately in the next scene, they're like, uh, you won't leave us, will you? The, the kids are like, you won't leave us. And uh, Bryce is like, no, 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 I'm never going to leave you. I will stay right with you. And they're like, no, 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 no not you. 
<laughs> yeah. Him. Him. We want to stay with him. <laughs> that I think was honestly in, in for humor wise, I think that was a, they had a great, um, a lot of, uh, humor in this one at the right moments. Yes. Very true. Joel, favorite scene. Um, uh, for me, I'm, it's just, I gotta say when Bryce Dallas Howard opens a pen and that beautiful T-Rex comes out and you know, there's going to be a throwdown. And the callback to the original movie, it just, yeah. Yeah. Loved it. We need more teeth. Exactly. Patrick. Uh, when Bryce Dallas Howard's skirt split up and her legs <laughs> came out. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, probably, uh, when the, uh, just because I wasn't expecting it at all, when the, um, right after that, whatever the one in the, and suddenly, you know, the seats all went down and you could see underneath. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't see it coming when they started lowering them down. I was like, oh, that's neat. Oh, that was pretty Your cool. Favorite part of the movie is seats going down. Let's not question that. Let's just... No, no, no. And then watching the, you know, watching the creature eat the shark. It was pretty cool. Oh, the Mosasaurus eating the shark underneath the water. Oh, yeah. yeah. That whole scene was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know what was awesome about that one was the fact that every single one of us has been at the dolphin show over at the zoo. Or has 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 been in one of those aquatic uh, shows, and it it's such a such a crossover to what we know. You're like, hey, here we have the the orca is gonna jump up and eat the fish out of my hand, and here we have, hey, the this gigantic croco beast is gonna eat the fucking great white shark. Yeah, like you thought sharks were scary. Watch this shit. <laughs> oh, I know, uh, Josh. You know, probably the moment that sticks out in my mind most, I don't know if it was a favorite scene, but there's a favorite moment, is when the raptors are rushing through and they're chasing them down, and the hologram of the Dilphosaurus from the original Jurassic Park pops its fins. Oh, yeah. And and, uh, intimidates the hell out of it. That was just such an unexpected little moment, it falling for the hologram and being like intimidated by it, that it stuck in my mind as one of the best moments of the film. That, that was pretty cool when they, when they came across the hollow and how she smacked the screen on the way out. Oh yeah. To make it happen. Yeah. 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 That, that was pretty cool. Cause I mean, you could act the way they had the, uh, Velociraptors animated that you can actually see the WTF in his face. <laughs> it was like, whoa. <laughs> didn't, didn't expect these guys to be here. I didn't really understand why they kept the raptors the way they did. What do you mean? Like, like locked in place where they couldn't even move their heads and everything. Yeah, I was kind of wondering that, too. Every time you unleash them, aren't they going to be pissed off? I think they're trying to show that they've learned the lessons from the previous films, that these things are really dangerous, so we have to treat them like little Hannibal Lecters. But what were they doing when they had them there? Just, like, trying to, like condition them yeah i mean they were imprinting them trying to make sure that they uh through the computer programming and the constant training that like either they're in a training session where they're trying to be more sociable to humans or they were all other times when they're not feeding they're not training they're basically locked up maximum security prison style that was my takeaway because they're pretty much little hannibal lecters yeah (laughs) <laughs> it's like I've and you know what one of the what in the uh the one scene where they they save the the uh, new guy when he calms him down he like close the gate and he jumps under the gate right before they attack and that sort of thing and they had they showed that the new guy was up top pressing the button to open the gate in my brain when he pressed that button the gate went up all the raptors ran out double back and attacked the shit out of him <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, just my brain working so so um curious. I, I'm 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 not I'm going to give a guess on this one, but I'm going to say thumbs up across the board for all four of us. 
Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't put my thumbs up any higher if I wanted to. Do. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she said. Good to know. <laughs> for for both the original and this sequel. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I can see us going to see uh, Jurassic World again. Yeah, I mean, my thumbs up is not like as enthusiastic as you guys', but it's still a definite thumbs up. There's no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, both of them were, I mean, just great, solid action movies. Yeah. Now, a question for perspective from you guys. In the scene where the Indominus Rex busts into the aviary and all of the pteranodons or pterodactyls escape, did the Indominus Rex do that on purpose, or was it a happy accident? Uh, happy accident. That's my take on it as well. I don't think it could possibly have known how to defeat a helicopter or what was in the aviary. Yeah, I don't think, I think it was just running. In the yeah. way with its, it's got the Gosk, you know, whatever cannon they were firing at it. There was no way that the Indominus was able to figure out what the hell was going on, and he just was running until he stopped, and then he stopped for a moment, busted through the glass, and then let let all the uh, little monsters yeah. go. I, I had that thought at one point. They're like spared no expense except for a guy that knows how to fire a rocket launcher. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, expense on that. Yeah, uh, or the um. Uh, the helicopter, like, that is not the kind of helicopter you want to be firing that kind of cannon out of. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, first off, there's not enough stabilization on that thing. When that cannon kicks back, you're going to rock all over the place. As, as soon as he was like, you know, I'm flying it, I was, I, I said, I said to Allison, I was like, well, that cannon, or that, <laughs> that gun is going to throw him off badly. Yeah. Do your, did your generals ride into battle with you? And then both of those guys were like, we're so fucking dead. <laughs> Yeah, nice knowing you, friend. Well, it was nice not being eaten by a raptor by you know for thirty years or so. Yeah, that's going to happen now. So, all right. So, uh, next week. Oh boy, the Sermsons. Oh my God, it's a hands. Yes, we're doing the first of probably more than one Simpsons show. We're going to uh, go back and watch some of the old favorites, and we're going to watch some of the new ones, and dig into the uh, Simpsons then and now, uh, and back to uh, nineteen eighty-seven. When they hit Tracy Ullman and then 89 when the series officially started. Yes. I'm so excited. Since many of us hadn't graduated high school yet, that is clearly within the realm of then. And the fact that it has not stopped uh, yet. yet, we're uh, doing all right. So next week is The Simpsons Show. So About if you, time. It is. It, it really is. Uh, if you'd like to catch any of our older shows, you can find us on iTunes, on Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe. Uh, and if you want to give us a call and give us an idea for a show, because we do definitely appreciate that, uh, call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. So, uh, yeah. Josh. <laughs> That's Frankie the Velociraptor saying goodnight. Where'd Josh go? I don't know. Got eaten by a velocity. <laughs> <laughs> and rap. Tour. You are now leaving the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. <laughs> and we've come full circle. Tell me why, tell me why, tell me what you say. <laughs> the song is, Don't Anyone Hold Me Down, Sir.
by <laughs> Puff Daddy and Macy. <laughs> 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 